0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: Live from the St. James in Springfield, we're Grant and Danny. You are listening to the fan. Thank you for making the show part of your day, taking you up to 6.30 this evening. By the way, we're going to have tickets we're giving away to go see the Wiz the rest of this week. So make sure you're listening to the show tomorrow and Friday. We'll have a couple opportunities at uh, 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock each of the next two days to win tickets to go see the Wizards here on Grant and Danny. So make note of that and make sure you tune in. Uh, let's put a bow on our Eric enemy conversation for the moment. Danny, the question being how much different will this offense look from his time in Kansas City, and I, I think it's hard to answer most notably because we've never really seen an offense in his image. Everyone likes to take credit away from him because Andy Reid runs the show in KC. The flip side of that is you don't know what Enemy would have done differently or, or in what ways maybe if he had more of a grip on what the Chiefs were doing. The offense would have better reflected what he wants to do. The only thing I will say is I do think it's foolish when people say he was a running back, so naturally he's going to want to run the ball more. Maybe. Could be. Maybe not. Yeah. You know what position Kyle Shanahan played? Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Run first guy. Uh, Sean McVay. Now, I will say Kyle gets wide receivers open better than anybody, but that's a, a running offense in San Francisco. Sean McVay. You know what position he played when he was Mr. Georgia beat out Calvin Johnson? Went to Miami of Ohio? Wideout. Initially a quarterback in high school, but eventually he was a wideout, uh-huh. right? Uh, got to run the ball a little bit. That guy is a run first play caller as well. To a fault, in my opinion, on early downs occasionally. And so for that – point, I would just say, I'm dismissing anyone who says he was a running back. He wants to run the ball. Okay. Possibly. Just because he played the position does not mean we now know what he thinks and how he thinks about calling plays. Yeah. And
0: there's no Travis Kelsey. And that's one of the, at worst, three or four best receiving tight ends ever to play this game. That's a major thing that you simply can't replace no matter how much you like logan thomas or cole turner or armani rogers or anybody else so schematically that's going to be different right there's no safety blanket there's no well it's third and five everyone else get out of the way and let kelsey run a choice route uh against every linebacker or any safety and you could just book a first down you don't have that necessarily available but on the other side you've got three receivers that are as good as any trio i think in this league And I mean, that's not hyperbolic. I really believe that. I'll take their one, two, three and put it up against pretty much anybody. Maybe not a top two, but their three. I think that's really good. So how do you use that? Maybe you substitute what would have been a tight end formation and you find a way to isolate, uh, you know, Jahan Dotson against a third corner or you use a stack formation uh, to get Curtis Samuel alone uh, against maybe the third or fourth best cover person. I expect a lot of misdirection. I expect a lot of uh, you know, uses of, uh, of motion and, and sort of different sets to kind of create some of those tendencies and mismatches, mismatches as Logan Thomas, uh, Logan Thomas, Logan Paulson said to us earlier that you can then stack fakes off that stack play progressions off that sort of stuff where you get folks leaning in one direction or kind of standing flat-footed and then boom you guys got an advantage and now the big play happens
1: we'll discuss the tight end position as we promised coming up in a moment let's go to Sean who's been waiting in Winchester on the MGM National Harbor listener lines Sean, you're on Grant and Danny. Thanks for the ring. Oh, hey, guys. How are you, man? Thank you for taking my call. I wasn't sure if you guys were actually taking calls.
0: But you guys were talking about the assistance, and I called a couple of months ago when we got rid of Scott Turner, and we, uh, you guys turned on to something else. But Does anyone actually know the schematic for – does Rivera, like, does he say, no, I don't want that play, or is that the play that he chooses? Are there – or, you know, does he have what's it called, the uh, script? or something like that. I mean, if he's not calling the plays, autonomy. I mean, because if the enemy comes there and supposedly he's the assistant head coach, I'm guessing that means he calls the play.
1: So, appreciate the call. couple of things. Number one, Ron Rivera is not involved in play calling for the offense during the game almost at all. Uh, Like any head coach, if he really doesn't like something, I'm sure he could trumpet, he could get into uh, the headphones and say, no, we're not running that. But... I can't imagine he did that even with Scott Turner calling plays very often. Um, now he's not overly involved on defense. You know, if you're Brandon Staley and you call defensive plays, uh-huh. you're too busy to be involved on offense. Right. Rivera's not. I mean, he stands there. You watch it. He's got his arms crossed. He's stoic. He's staring out at the field. Jack Del Rio runs everything on game day with the defense. It was Turner, and now it's going to be enemy on offense. I think any power, any influence that he has autonomy that he might have offensively is going to be shown Monday to Saturday, right? That's where he could help shape a vision, a plan, talk about what he thinks or how he sees the game going with Bienemy. But I would find it really hard to believe that on Sunday, during the game, he's going to be in Eric Bienemy's ear very much. Not only because of the assistant head coach title, which is a massive deal, but more importantly, because there's only so much time. It's a 40 second clock. You're basically calling plays a player two ahead if you're good at it. Yep. You you are calling plays like you're supposed to play pool. I'm not a good pool player. I shoot a pool shot to try to get the ball in the hole, in, in the pocket, I guess they call it. A, a good person at pool who's actually very good, like Minnesota Fats, they would shoot a shot to set up the next shot and the next shot. Oh, yeah. And that's what a play caller is doing. So if you get in someone's ear and you say, oh, no, not that one, you're throwing off the whole rhythm. So. Will there be conversations between the two? No doubt. That's normal. But I think most of Rivera's feedback is going to come not during the football game.
0: And I would say on, on game day, you know, kind of in some pressure moments, it's, on. hey, on this third down, if we don't get it, we're going for it. Or on this third down, you know, it's third and eight. If we're at, at, the, at the 41-yard line, if you get us within three or four yards, we're going for it. Or we're punting it here, so be more aggressive. Whatever that is, right? Those kind of things happen. He's not going to say – no, 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 okay, I don't want to run that one. Run, you know, that's. I don't think that's ever going to happen.
1: So I want to see, and we just don't have the ability to, but I would love to see a mic'd up version of Washington's interactions as a staff in the way that you get to see occasionally with the NFL film stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching, in fact, Ryan sent it to me, but it was a 40-minute Super Bowl mic'd up audio, all the players and coaches that were wearing the microphone kind of edited together. Uh-huh. It was amazing. There's a lot of enemy in there, by the way. I'll post it on Twitter tonight if I remember at Grant H. Paulson, and uh, you guys should check it out just from a bienemí standpoint. But what I loved about it was you saw how good Nick Sirianni was at including his coordinators and kind of being a player two ahead for them. So, like, before a third down, he would say, hey, Shane – so Shane Steichen was their OC who just got the head job in Indianapolis. He'd say, we don't get this. It's four downs. Like, we're going for it. Uh And so before he made his third down call, you make that call knowing you got it on fourth, which sounds intuitive, but coaches don't always do that. Like, sometimes you're making the decision after third down, closer to the last second, and and you're just not giving them that same benefit of the doubt. Uh, There were a couple times like that, though, where he basically would say – Well in advance. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, He told Steichen, you know, when they were like at the 15-yard line, I think it was, hey, Shane, get your best two-point conversion play ready. If we score, we're going for two here. Make sure you get your best two. Like, have that ready. Before the last drive, um, now they didn't get a last drive because of the penalty, Ah, but he got in Steichen's ear and he was like, Shane, I want you to get your five best two-minute plays ready to go. Like, we're going to have a chance here. We're going to get the ball back with a minute. I want you to be organized, and I want you to have those five plays ready. Like, he's hes kind of in his ear kind of coaching him through it, right? I hope Rivera's the same way. I would imagine he is, but I will say he doesn't seem to do a lot of talking at all. Like, he does a lot of arms crossed staring, and yeah. I'm not joning. I'm just saying – Just kind of – he's I do, there. I, I, I hope he is that guy who's kind of – but Sirianni has much more energy and seems to be more involved and is running around and talking to people. I'd like to think Ron is that way with coordinators and kind of helping get them through it. I'd be
0: fascinated to see the dynamic. I really would. Because if you are, you know, the CEO type, which is what he is, right, lots of coaches run that model successfully. So it's not necessarily, you know, good or bad. It just kind of is. It's how the structure is that they've created. When you've got a lot of experience in your coordinators, that's a smart thing to do. But I'd love to see, you know, sort of how involved he is. I don't, you know what? Really, I'd really like the CGP. In addition to kind of the end game, is at halftime. You know what I mean? Like, is is he, you know, going over to the special teams coach and saying, "Hey, on this, I saw that," or is he going, you know, is he going to various offensive cool. minds and See, saying, "I don't even I, have I like anything to base that. that off of." Yeah, I, I don't I have think no I've, idea.
1: I've never seen that from another team either. You know, like, because I think largely halftime adjustments. I'm not saying it's a nothing burger. I think they happen, but I think we overblow them a little bit. There's not that much time, right? You get into the locker room, you talk about what you've seen, you talk about what you're going to do, and then the coaches Gatorade get together. The power bar, yeah. And I do think the coaches will make a quick adjustment. Like, you know, the, the, the OC, let's say Bienemy is going to talk to his wide receivers coach. Maybe that's going to be uh, if they make the hire uh, today, like uh, Greg Drew Lewis. Lewis, yeah. And so he'll say, hey, Greg, what kind of coverage did we get on that? And he's like, I think we could pop them on a double move or, look, they're playing a lot of this to shell. Maybe we just take – What were, you know, some stop routes here and try to get them to to play a little bit tighter at the line of scrimmage. Like, I think those types of adjustments definitely happen, but I would be fascinated. Like, that kind of content to me is invaluable. Yes. It's why I love, we were talking about earlier in the show, this Netflix series that's going to come out called Quarterback that's following around Mahomes and Mariota and Cousins. It's going to drop this summer. Anything that gives me a better idea. Of how it all works behind the scenes, it makes me smarter. It makes me a better consumer. It gives me, I think, just a more legitimate look. Whereas I'm sitting here going, "How does the quarterback not make that adjustment?" Well, now I know they're not really making adjustments. They're eating an orange and, you know, checking their phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you get to find that stuff out, right? You know,
0: yeah, those sorts of processes. I, I'm with you. I'd love to know. I mean, it's. I always. Um, we talked about this also, just kind of tangentially. It's always unfair, like, what camera shots we get when they, when they show the sideline. Like, everyone used to get mad at Jay Gruden because, you know, he'd have a, just an uh, uh, arms crossed, like, you know, pouty expression on his face, like, what is going on? Yeah, I don't judge looks body like doing. Language. I try never to do that, right? But it is – it's circumstantial evidence. When I do see, you know uh, – I'm, I'm trying to think of, think of a good one. Uh, John Harbaugh in, in Baltimore. Like, constantly up and down the sideline, talking to everybody. And whether that's good or bad, I have no idea. But I, I like it because they seem to win more often than, than my guys do. It seems like he's doing something. I seem, I like Sirianni more But, see, than I, my can, guy. I can
1: punch it, a hole. I know. I, I think Mike Tomlin is a Rivera. He is. He is a stoic Steve. Yeah, Mike Tomlin, I don't know that I've ever seen him talk during a game. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm I've seen him
0: flip his headset up yeah. and clap hard
1: with intense face. I'm, I'm joking. But you do get more energy. Yeah. He's a younger guy, I think. But like you do get the the flipped up Motorola headset, the clap, the you know, the banging a guy on the shoulder pad as they come off the field, uh-huh. pumping him up. But he's not, you know, calling plays nope. or in people's ears. There's a lot of different ways to do it. All right, let's look at the tight end position really quickly. So here is why I think the commanders would say this is not really a need. My belief is that let's just say first Logan Thomas is back. They've got a guy in Logan Thomas who's played at a really high level, further removed from an ACL, who they think can be a good blocker and pass catcher. John Bates, they believe, is an outstanding run blocker, in my opinion. Kind of rigid and stiff, not a particularly good player in the open field, not a whole lot of wiggle, not a guy who's going to make a bunch of plays after the catch, but he'll catch the ball when it's thrown to him. He'll get you a handful of yards here and there, and he's a blocker first. They drafted Cole Turner last year. I was singing his praises. I loved the pick. I still liked the player a lot out of Nevada. But he didn't do anything as a rookie. Mm -mm. I think a lot of that was injury before the season started. He was chasing his tail, probably cut down on some of the development and the growth he might have had. But he just couldn't stay on the field. And when targeted, it just felt like he never caught the ball. It wasn't that he dropped it. It just, you know, he would have three targets. You look at a game and and zero catches. And they would be ten yards over his head or thrown out of bounds in his direction. But he just was a non-factor. He would have to make a huge leap. But that's a young player. That's like a draft pick. It's like taking a, a tight end in the fourth or fifth round this year mm-hmm. who just gives you a chance to actually perform this coming season because he actually has the experience of being around last year. Armani Rogers, who was a college quarterback, who they used on some jet action, some end arounds. rounds I don't know why they never used him to, to do a quarterback sneak at his size where they just get him under center and let him fall forward for a yard like the Chiefs always do. I guarantee you I'll take a victory lap when it happens. He will, and if Logan Thomas is here, he'll do this too. I'm not so sure he will be, but he will 1,000% take a snap under center this year on a quarterback sneak. The Chiefs never use Patrick Mahomes to do that, but they sneak it all the time with tight ends. Armani Rodgers, who was a college quarterback, is that guy. I would love it. For Eric Bieniemy. He's so, bringing that play with him. So here's
0: what I wonder super quickly uh, before we finish the breakdown. The conversion to we're a running team – seems to me to be less, inf- less helpful for, for Cole Turner's skill set. And I wonder if that's, that really hurt him, getting lost in the sauce. But
1: they drafted him last year knowing what they were already.
0: Uh, well, I think they drafted him because they thought they'd throw the football, and then he was hurt to start the year, and then by the time he was back and ready to roll, it was we need John Bates in the game all the time, and we're run blocking on first, second, third, and fourth down. But I, So I, I guess what I'm saying is in terms of the need at tight end, I wonder if a new staff could come in and go, we already got a dynamic pass catcher here. He's not a great blocker just yet, but we'll figure that out because he's a matchup problem in Cole Turner.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Meaning they don't draft the guy because yeah. they have a guy who could be a mismatch. Right. Yeah, it's totally possible. I mean, I don't think you're going to find a more athletic, better receiver in the fifth round this year than Turner, who already knows your playbook and who's 6'6". Uh, I guess he's um, – yeah, I think he is 6'6", and 240 pounds. He's a giant guy, and he can make leaping athletic catches. So that's enticing. The question is, is it a priority for them to do a lot better? And is Logan Thomas going to be here? Logan Thomas, the last two seasons, and this is solely based, I think, on injury, maybe some usage stuff this past year as well, has kind of been a shell of what he was before that, remember? He had a huge year, got an extension, three years and 24 million. He is on the books for another two years, cap numbers of 8.7 and 8.3 million. They have a get out of jail free card with just three and a half million in dead money, whereas instead of paying him almost nine million dollars this year, they would save five and a half. Let's say if they cut him, and I'd imagine there's a way to put some of it into next year if they needed to do that. You go back to his first year here. I mean, Logan Thomas caught seventy balls for seven hundred yards. He—that feels like it was ten years ago. Now. Yeah, ancient history. Almost. I'm, now I'm still a Logan Thomas guy, but it just—it. What does Bienemy think of him? Do they still feel like? At his age, he's going to be 32, that he can be that good again. If they don't, then you could release Logan Thomas possibly and save money. And now you're in the the market for a tight end one probably. Bates is a blocker. Turner's unproven. Rodgers is kind of a project. You're not going into the year with those three guys.
0: You wouldn't think. But is is how much of a priority is it? Because your advantage right now is your three receivers. doesn't mean you don't need a tight end, but it just means do I need that guy to be my fifth best option of the passing game after a running back and those three wideouts.
1: Well, but, but if you get a legit tight end, he won't be. Well, you're right. And you got a young yeah. – like, to me, this is my own hard headedness of just, like, my own philosophy. But young quarterback, give me a tight end. Like, give me a safe, get open 7 to 12 yards from the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. move the sticks on third down, can win on a choice route with some footwork option. And maybe that's Cole Turner, by the way. Like, maybe he becomes that guy. I'm I'm not saying he can't, but I think one of the worst things you can do for a young quarterback is not give them a legitimate weapon at tight end. Now, I get your point. Your point is, you got really good wide receivers. True, but throwing the ball outside the numbers, out wide, a little bit more difficult. It's a scarier
0: proposition, especially with a a guy without that much experience. And
1: And that's why I really like Logan Thomas, and I'd love to keep him around, but at, at that money... If he can't be a 60-catch, 600-yard guy, you're overpaying
0: him. Yeah. I mean, so to, to not to belabor the report on Turner, but first down this past season, you were never going to see Cole Turner on the field pretty much. And i I mean, hyperbolic. I'm sure he played on some first downs here and there. But they were so determined to run the dang ball, and I don't want him blocking the end or you know taking on the, the Mike Linebacker, et cetera. What I do want, though, is in a system that's okay with passing first, basically an automatic, right, where if they're in base defense, I'm talking about, like, let's say you're the other, the other team's defensive coordinator. I trot out my, I don't know, let's call, I trot out my 11 personnel, right? If you're in your base defense, I'm going, that's a pass. I'm going to have Cole Turner run a route and probably beat your linebacker. If you finally, if you go nickel, you go dime to kind of deal with my uh, 11 personnel, I'll go, okay, now I'll take Cole Turner in a blocking matchup With a safety, I'll take him with a corner. I don't want him dealing with linebackers and defensive ends. Now all of a sudden you're using him as a matchup advantage, right? So how much then is a priority of going to get a tight end one, like a real tight end one? Like uh, are you trading for a TJ Hawkinson caliber player, right? I just don't know how many of those guys
1: there actually are. I don't think you're going to get a tight end one. To me, the only way to do that is probably to draft like Michael Mayer at Notre Dame in the first round. And I'm not doing that. I'm not saying they should. But there's – There's a big difference between non-Logan Thomas, the three tight ends they have, and a tight end one. A tight end two would be an upgrade at that point. Yes. Like Bates, blocker. The other two guys, unproven projects who combine for a handful of catches. Like How many catches do you think they got from the tight end position last year? All four guys. That's Logan Thomas, Bates, and the other two. 60? 55? Exactly right. 60 catches. No. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And if you cut Logan Thomas – which is something that a lot of people have said may happen, and we just went through the numbers as to why it is a possibility. The other three guys are Bates, 14 catches, Rodgers, 5, and Turner, 2. I'm not naive. I understand some of this is usage, but I'd love to get how someone he could rely upon in the passing game. Uh, but I'm with you. If you're asking me, am I going to spend $10 million, $12 million a year at the position to, to go get a stud, no, I'm not going to do that. Am I going to draft one in the first round? Absolutely not. Is the second in a round or some, a third round an option to replace Thomas with someone above those other guys on the depth chart? I wouldn't hate that nearly as much. Uh, but it is a position where if they, if they keep Thomas, they can go into next season and feel like they're fine. Okay. It's not going to be a strength, but it probably won't be a weakness. Move on from him? I don't think they have a choice. I think they've now created a, created need, a
0: need that has to be filled, yeah.
1: That they have to go address uh, in another way. Uh, real quick, the other note on the Commanders today. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, citing a source with knowledge of the situation, says the Commanders are 99.9% likely to use the fr- franchise tag on Duron Payne, meaning that uh, he doesn't think they'll get a deal done with him. The tag for the defensive tackle position, $18.9 million. So that would be a one-year deal at $19 million for Payne.
0: Yeah, I think that's... Now, I don't have a reporting on it, but I think that's the logical conclusion here because this regime needs this long term. It may be best to either try to sign him, do an extension uh, where you defer some of the money or to trade him for, for future assets and try to be, you know, build the best team possible. But they need to be the best they've been this coming season. Right, Like, a, a, a again, a team with a different regime, if they were just starting out here, might be able to spin him for something and sort of look ahead and prioritize the future. They can't. They have to prioritize right now, this minute. He's too
1: important to them uh, to let him go after a career year. Martin Mayhew did say in the season-ending press conference that they had a plan and that they planned on getting a deal done with him. It certainly doesn't sound like it, according <laughs> to Flor- Florio's source, which you'd have to imagine is on the agency side, maybe on the player side, not somebody with the team, but 99.9% likely, he says, instead of a long-term deal, it's a franchise tag. Yeah, I don't want to pay him a long-term deal of $20 per after a career year. I think you get yourself in trouble doing that. So I don't mind the franchise tag, but I am a proponent of a tag and trade if they can pull it off and get some picks.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd love to do that, but I just don't see it.
1: If you missed Logan Paulson today, by the way, he advocated for tagging and trading Deron Payne and gave some really good reasoning as to why that would make sense. Uh, he was great with us, really good convo on not only Payne, but his study of the enemy offense in Kansas City. So uh, go grab that on the podcast, thefandc.com, grantanddanny.com, slash audio. Big thanks to uh, Michael and Toby back in our studio in D.C. for their hard work today. Ryan, who kept us squared away out here at the St. James as well. That'll do it for G&D on 106.7 The Fan. We are back at 2 o'clock tomorrow. And remember, we're giving away Wizards tickets at 3 o'clock and at 4 o'clock tomorrow. you got to be listening. Enjoy your Wednesday evening. We'll talk with you again tomorrow at 2 right here on The Fan.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.